Welcome to the Stories with Traction podcast. I'm your host, Matt Zahn. Thank you for joining us as we uncover how stories are one of the most important aspects of your business. We'll talk about struggles, victories, and how you can utilize strategic storytelling to inspire those around you to action. Enjoy this episode. Dan Coble, welcome to my first podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It finally feels like spring, almost summer already. Um, we're here in the, the great state of Pennsylvania where I'm at. Uh, we, we finally got some good sunshine. We're out of the fall weather and into the beautiful heat of the spring. Absolutely. Yeah. You had mentioned that Pennsylvania weather. It's, it's insane weather. I feel like we have seasons that at one moment can be brutal and then fantastic. And it's just all over the map. It's funny. I was saying, you know, how are you doing, Dan, since the last time I saw you? So for, for the, anyone listening that doesn't know, Dan Koval is one of my absolute best friends. I actually saw him last night over dinner uh, Dan and I are not only neighbors, but we've been extremely close friends for 15 years. I can't even believe that it's that long. I was trying to figure out the actual year that I had met you. I wanna, I know we knew each other in 2007 because that's when you had started at Bentley, and I also worked at Bentley uh, for a little brief period of time. Um, but I did we meet in in 20 uh, 2006. I want to say we did. I mean, I moved from Philadelphia, uh, born and raised in Philly. My wife and I both. Uh, we got married in the end of 2005. Uh, very quickly realized that we wanted to move out to Chester County once we once we realized the world existed past King of Prussia Mall. Um, and then around 2006 or so, might have been the fall that, that that we met each other like that, like. That, yeah, that, that fall of 2006, we moved, moved out here. I think I started at Bentley as a temp in March of 2007. So I want to I say we, were, we, we knew each other a little bit before that. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. 15 years. So, so Dan, for, for anyone listening, Dan has seen me at my best, and he's also seen me at my worst. Probably a lot more worse than best. So we have... Huh. Uh, tons and tons of stories that we can share uh, since this is a recording and we are sending it out into the world there are many stories <laughs> that he should not be sharing uh, but some, some of them uh, you know we could absolutely share so I, I, I really I love that though because I feel like you know we've both seen each other at times that have been extremely challenging and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to see how people respond to that. And the reason why, Dan, I wanted you to be the first person on this podcast series is really, it's really simple. So recently I finished the book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. For anyone listening, I highly recommend the book. It's an incredible business book. It's called The Go-Giver. And... Mm -hmm. The whole premise around the book, and there's multiple principles throughout, but the whole premise is how by giving and basically understanding the power of giving, how it can radically not only transform the lives 
of those around us, but also our life and how there's something about having that giver mentality that is so unbelievably powerful for a community and how we desperately need people not only in the world, but specifically in business to adopt that mindset of being a giver. And out of every person that I've known and every person that is currently in my life, there's no one that has the, the kind of level of giving that, that Dan Koval has. So Dan is an unbelievable giver. It is in his DNA. It's, it's what he does. It is, it, I, Dan, I would say it's probably one of your, not only your core philosophies, I feel like philosophy and principle and concept, and sometimes that can be surfacy, right? So it's, it's yeah. not just that, but it's like to a whole other level. Like Dan is the kind of guy that, you know, he's the guy you call at 2 a.m. in the morning when you break down on the side of the road. He's the guy that you call when you're really struggling with a certain idea and you need to process and he's willing to bend over backwards to do that. So I really wanted to have you on as the very first guest to kick off this podcast series because I have been inspired by you, man, uh, as far as being a giver and really, really having that giver mentality with this podcast series and reaching out to people and and taking their stories and taking their experiences and actually giving of myself, my time, my resources to elevate them and position them to share more of their stories. So I just wanted to throw that out there. That's the reason why I wanted you to be the fir first guest. And I'm interested to know, like, at what point, have you always been a giver? Have you, was it a book or something that you read that sparked that in you? Or have you always been a giver for, for your entire life? So it's it's interesting that you. Well, first of all, sorry. Let me let me take a step back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. I mean, I think I think it's a, a testimony to those 15 years that we have. That um, despite the you know, like you met me, you were you were single and very young. I was newly married and very young. Neither of us owned homes, owned reliable cars. Um, <laughs> We're responsible for small life forms, you know, dogs or kids, both included. Uh, and, I, and you've seen me through, um, you know, through some through some some bad times and some great times and some dark times and some bright times. And I think I think that's just I, I really appreciate that. Your your, your words are, are tremendous. But as you were talking, I was I was having the same question myself because I, I don't know that anyone's ever asked me that question. And so I think it's a phenomenal question, and I think. Honestly, it is in my DNA um, in that I remember my mom specifically always gave something everywhere she went. It wasn't, oh, when we were invited over somebody's house for dinner, she brought her brownies, which if you are within a million mile radius of me, you need to get a hold of some of my mom's brownies because they are hands down the best, like, if you like brownies, these will these will ruin all other brownies for your life. If you don't like brownies, you will now like brownies, but only hers. Um, but I, like they, so they, they, they are they are the best that I've ever had. They are phenomenal. They're 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 very dangerous because they're they're the kind they of brownies that you cannot you cannot eat one. You will go through yeah. 
an entire package of what she puts together. <laughs> they're very, <laughs> especially if you're, if you're on the weight loss plan, you do not want them by. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, but everywhere, like everywhere she went, no matter who she was with, she was always giving something. And it, you know, growing up, we didn't, I'm, I'm the youngest of three, you know, mom and dad are still together to this day. Dad finally retired at the age of 72, like good golly. Um, but like, again, it wasn't, it wasn't money that we always gave places we did things, but she, like, she always had something for someone. Um, my mom was, she finally, she finally retired and was a, an Avon lady and her, she gave a 10% discount all the time to everybody. And it's like, well, why, like, why, like, that was her, like she took it out of her own profit. And she had a number of people that went to her specifically, despite the things they had to overcome to connect with my mom, because she gave the discount. Like she, I, I was hands down, that was her policy was like, I'm, I'm going to make it worth someone else's while and make them feel loved. And so then therefore, she was always welcomed everywhere she went. Everyone, your mom is the sweetest. Your mom is the best. Your mom is the nicest. She so like, I heard it all the time. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I can do like, because it wasn't just simply money, right? Like I'm, I'm not super duper uber financially independent. I mean, we're doing okay. We're doing fine. We're, we're fortunate to be surviving the, the pandemic and doing well, but you know, I don't have truckloads of money to just <laughs> drive around and, and pay for pay off people's layaway items at, at Walmart. But you know, we've been very fortunate in what my wife and I've been able to do. And so knowing that it is, time it is talent and it is treasure that come together that you can give any and all of those things away um I, I would definitely say that my mom was the biggest inspiration for how i am and how i treat other people so you've seen this displayed in front of you and then you saw the impact your mom had on so many people and the idea was if i adopt the same mentality then I can also have an impact on people. Yeah, said, I'm, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I'm, I don't know if I'm fortunate or I'm just disgruntled because of it sort of thing, but one of my own personal philosophies is, is I'm a fruit on the tree type of person. Don't, don't tell me what it takes until you show me that it works. Um, we might get into it a little bit, but I, I worked for a certain package delivery company for a period of time, uh, I started driving for them, was doing very well. And I remember one day just stopping and looking around and seeing the lives of the coworkers that I'd had. Financially, they were all making six plus figures a year. They were drove nice cars, multiple joint replacements and body parts being replaced and, you know, and fixed. But then also like marriages that were being destroyed and people that were just unhappy and grumpy and they would curse like sailors and whatnot and hey that's you that's awesome kudos to you but i looked around and said you know what this isn't this isn't the lifestyle that i wanted i i see what you have and i don't want it and so then in the same way like i saw what my mom received from other people right the, the way that people lit up when she would walk in the room or pull up from picking us up from school or what like i I honestly don't think I've ever heard anyone besides myself and my siblings 
ever say anything negative about my mom in my entire life. It's, a, it's always just because that we're on- people that are the closest to you are typically the ones that would say that. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up, but I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, I'm, I would listen, I was an ungrateful kid. It, I tell, I've had to tell a couple of friends, some, some, some ladies that I know who have like teenage boys that's, you know, in my opinion, in my experience and what I did as a teenage boy, I was not very nice to my mother, but for whatever reason, I turned 30 and something in my, in my head or my heart, like changed, you know? And it was like, I became a completely different person. I, I, I learned to value my mom, probably most specifically after we had our first son, after my wife and I had our first son, but like, uh, you know, I have some friends and coworkers that have teenage boys and they're like, Oh, my son is just, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. just, just hold fast, just stay consistent. And you'll, you'll see they'll come around to boys sometimes can be a little, in my opinion, can be a little bit slower. You gotta give them, you gotta give them some time to, to catch up and they'll, they'll, they'll come around as well. Um, so yeah, growing up, I was not super friendly. I was not super kind and loving to my mother, but she deserved, she deserved to be treated like, like a queen. Um, but that's definitely not the person I was at that time. And so uh, looking back, I probably have some more apologies to make, but <laughs> that's probably a topic for, for a different for a different podcast. That's awesome. Now I, I appreciate you mentioning that. And what's interesting, Dan, is that when we met 15 years ago, like you had mentioned, you were delivering packages. And though there's nothing wrong with that, right? I know that you were in you were in a rough place in multiple different mm-hmm. ways. And just to show people the power of giving and what is meant for for you, and and obviously you have, you have done so much for so many people, and you've helped them. But what I've seen, in you personally, is that right now, and to give people some background on where Dan and I live, we live in a county uh, known as Chester County. It's in Pennsylvania. It regularly shows up on one of the wealthiest county lists in the United States. I believe the last list, is, it was the 24th wealthiest county in the country. Um, in Pennsylvania, it is the number one county for GDP, even outpacing Philadelphia. There is some unbelievable powerhouse businesses in this county. You're talking about a multi-billion dollar GDP just for the county, right? So it's extremely wealthy mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get people background on myself, I work with leaders teaching them how to persuade with power through the artist strategic storytelling. So I'm regularly going into businesses. I'm regularly going into larger nonprofits. I'm working with CEOs, executives, high-level sales professionals on persuasion and stories and how to connect and how to inspire. So I'm very active within the business community. And what's interesting, and I say all that because there are so many people that know Dan Koval. Right. I will talk to numerous CEOs and numerous business leaders and almost every executive director of a nonprofit that I talk to, they've heard of Dan Koble. And it just speaks to the fact that when we met 15 years ago, you were in a job <laughs> absolutely hated. Um, you were in a really rough place. And then to fast forward, and you never lost that mentality of giving, right? So you gave like there was no tomorrow uh, in, in all of the years I've known you. And then now you're in a position where some of the most prominent leaders call you regularly, seek out your advice, 
literally will bend over backwards to hear from you because of all the different pieces of wisdom and knowledge and concepts and everything you've learned over the, over the last few years. And also prior to COVID, for anyone listening, Dan is in some ways a global world traveler, right? Because you were, you've been in multiple countries helping on different projects. And it's just been incredible to see the power of that giving actual, actually see it in reality. Um, so it's fascinating to me. And, and you've had so many conversations and you've been in so many different meetings with, with business leaders, seeing them, how they operate, what they need to do in order to have an impact on their community. And I say that because yeah. a lot of business leaders that I work with typically are, are between 45 and 65 years old, and they've done so much in life, right? They've achieved incredible things in business. They, they have done awesome with sales, and they get to the point of their life where they know that they want to have an even bigger impact. They, they want mm -hmm. to help tons of people in their community. They want, they want to have a legacy is ultimately what they want. They want generational change. They want to know, especially for individuals that are 65, they want to know, you know in the event they go out, you know, let's say a decade or two decades from that point, they want to know they have a lasting legacy. They've done a ton for the community. And I feel like you are unbelievably tied into that world of how mm -hmm. people had have an impact. So for anyone listening to this, that you've had that, that burning desire to have an impact, you've had that burning desire to do something great, not just good, not, but absolutely great, where, where people literally, their lives are changed because of what you do. If that is you, I want to talk, Dan, I want to talk to you about some of these different things um, on what mm -hmm. you've seen. And I think that... I think there's been a shift even prior to COVID, but now even more so where mm -hmm. there's this perception primarily in the media, movies, mm -hmm. music, a lot of it is mass media, pop culture, where the business leader's the villain and yeah, it sells good movies, right? They're not going to make movies mm -hmm. that are like hotcakes with incredible CEOs and incredible leaders that do doing awesome things for the community. It's just not, it's not, it's not a thriller, right? It's not a drama. So they, they really degrade uh, business leaders in all kinds mm -hmm. of pop culture, right? So a lot of business leaders are dealing with this perception of people being skeptical, people having um, judgments about these leaders. But you know, Dan, more than anyone, because some of the people you work with that are CEOs, that are business leaders, are unbelievable givers and they give astronomical amounts of money. They give their time. They, they do so much for the community. So for anyone listening that really wants to have that impact, and I want you to talk a little bit about the marriage, so to speak, with business and the nonprofit world, because I feel like we are, I mean, we are foot on the pedal unbelievably speeding as a society going in the direction of corporate social responsibility of making sure that that we're, we're tightly aligned as a culture where business is not only 
having great profits, but also having that impact. So for anyone listening right now, what would you recommend a business leader does if they don't have those connections, if they, they want to make that, they want to have that impact, but they don't know where to start, where would you recommend they turn to? There's a lot of questions in there, Matt. I mean, it's phenomenal questions. And, and you know, it is, it is like hilarious to extent for me to like pinch myself and think about where I am. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct. When, when we met 15 years ago, um, I'm trying to think about a year or so prior to us, meeting i was had just gotten laid off from a job it was the first time i've ever been fired in my life uh was my early 20s um had got fired just got married to my wife we had just bought a bought a home in philadelphia and our finances went really really bad really really fast when you have this thing called a mortgage and you don't have any income coming in mm-hmm. and <laughs> i mean it's just you know that's that's actually how finances works um and we kind of like looked at each other and we're like, well, what do we do? And we're like, well, we just, you know, start, start scraping whatever we can together. And slowly but surely opportunities started coming our way as we got out there and started, started just working and putting in effort ourselves, uh, landed the package delivery role, which wasn't, it's not the worst job I've ever had in my life. I, I honestly, I, I enjoyed the job. I abhorred the environment. Um, it was just like there, like this, this one of the new catchwords thrown around right now is toxic culture. Um, if you want to talk about a toxic culture, go try working in a warehouse uh, with truck drivers for a while. And <laughs> you will very quickly learn that your office arguments um, are very pale in comparison. Um, but anyway, so there was, you know, there was a toxic culture. And then through connections I had made, through personal connections I had made, I, I landed an opportunity to, start working as a, as a temp at Bentley, right? And this was literally 14 years ago. Um, you know, I was, a buddy was a, working for a staffing agency and he was like, hey, do you want to work, you know, work behind a desk? And I just recently had gotten bit by a dog while trying to deliver packages. Uh, that does happen despite the, the irony, golden retrievers can be mean. Um, that's the type of dog that bit me. So no, I don't like them personally. Um, I was like, man, that sounds, desk sounds significantly safer. And so while I started my official office career, um, I've always been, I've always been a little bit of a go-getter. Um, I, I, again, the, the fruit on the tree concept is what I come back to in terms of like, just tell me what to do and get out of my way. And so I started, my job was a was data entry. They had, Bentley had just switched over one of their internal IT systems, which is why it created this need for temp, temporary hires. And there's all these like processes that used to be automated, but now they're you had to move the data from one system to the other. And so there's a manual process. So they're just like, we're going to throw human beings at a problem, right? That's nothing more of a great business decision than we're just going to throw bodies and dollars at a problem and hope it figures itself out. Eventually it did. Um, you know, like they handed us these, these stack of instruction sheets where it was between two pages and 14 pages for the process that you had to do. And it's like, you know, you went into the, the queue, the bucket, the whatever, and you picked out the top one. You said, okay, I'm working on number 125. And you, you did the process and then you moved on. Um, and so like, I can be competitive too. And so it was like, hey, I did, I did 45 things today. How many did you did? 
Oh, you, you did 60. Oh, oh, okay. Ah, we'll see you tomorrow. You know, and started, I would compete with, I'd compete with my colleagues. I'd compete with myself. Um, and, but then when I, when I got asked to, to be hired, basically I just, I just kept showing up, which is one of the, I, I think in my experience, at least at Bentley, um, just showing up all the time uh, has paid dividends more than I could ever imagine. Um, it's, it's amazing how people just don't, how many people just don't show up consistently um, to a job. But so I kept showing up and they brought me on full time and I started to master some of the responsibilities I had and I kind of got a little bored. And so I started looking for other ways to, to be involved and other things to do, right? As you, as you start to master a skill, whether you are flipping burgers or you're filing taxes, right? There, eventually some sort of process works itself out. It doesn't, doesn't matter where you are in the hierarchy of a company. Eventually you start to get better at your job or you should, hopefully, if you're trying to master your craft. And uh, opportunities started arising in terms of, oh, do you want to volunteer for Big Brother Big Sister? Sure. It was a short, you know, it was like one hour every other week. They would bring the students to our office. We would have lunch together. They'd be there for an hour and then they would leave. I'm like, well, I'm going to have lunch anyway. I'm already here. The company's paying for the lunch and they're bringing, like, and they're bringing the kid to me. Like, sign me up. I, I can talk to a kid, right? I mean, apparently kids don't want to talk to you as an adult, but that's a, that's a the psychology of children i'm i'm not i'm not well versed in but you know another opportunity came up where i was mentoring for the future city competition which is a, a global and introductory to engineering and other avenues within the the stem and or steam acronym to introduce kids into this into these opportunities and the one thing that I started finding was I was spending time during the day doing some of this other stuff, right? It was outside of my job function. Right? I, wasn't, I wasn't being paid for these volunteer things. And I said to myself, man, I don't ever want someone to question my, like their need for me at the company. So no, no one ever asked me, no one ever checked with me. No one told me. I just said, man, I guess I better do a really good job at my job. So that in the event someone says, hey, why did you take a two-hour lunch today to go mentor these eighth-grade students in the school around the corner? I could be like, well, I just I did 10 hours worth of work in seven hours, right? Like, I just, I just thought to myself, man, if I work my guts out while I'm here, no one's going to question that I take a little more time, right? No one's going to no harbor at me for, for stealing from the company because I did more than, more than my, my share of work. Um, so I can go do these other things I get to do, right? I, I have this, I have this role and responsibility and this expectation of what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go make sure that's complete and done and as good as possible. And then I'm going to do some fun stuff that I really enjoy. And I really, I really do enjoy working with, with teens. I, my wife looks at me sideways every time. She's like, you like working with teenagers? I, was like, I think they're fun personally, but that's probably because my maturity level is still around like 14 year old boy. Um, that's just me. That's just me. I, I think I think blowing things up and driving big trucks is super fun. That's what I think. But you know, when I'm, I'm weird. Wait, Dan. No, I'm 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 completely with you. All right. So wait, hold up one second. So <laughs> last, so 15 years. So 15 years ago, 
you uh -huh. were driving, then you became a temp, and then you were doing IT support, I believe that was for, let's say around seven years, I believe, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you actually did take on multiple manager roles within your company. And then at the same mm -hmm. time of doing that, you were doing a lot of work with different nonprofits and you, the company you worked for is very focused on, on not only giving of financial resources, but also time. So you were positioning, you didn't even know it at the time, but because of your giving DNA, you were positioning yourself in that space. So today, I always, I always probably misquote your title. I always call you the chief givings officer at Bentley Systems. <laughs> Does not. I, I I'm I'm vying currently to have my my role change to chief impact officer. Uh, I think it's Prince Harry made that title famous. I'm, I'm <laughs> I, I currently I submitted a request. I have a petition going. Uh, I haven't quite got it on change.org yet, but maybe. Um, All right. So, so you're, actual, you're you're positioning yourself to be on Prince Harry's status. Uh. <laughs> Listen, you got to shoot for that, right? You shoot for the moon. You wind up by the stars. That that old cliche. I love I love a good cliche. Um, so my actual title currently is corporate initiatives manager, which is really just a really fancy way of saying I give away the money. Um, you know, I'm like everyone's favorite person everywhere always, which is great and terrible all the same time because I love talking to people. And once people learn what I do, like I, prof I professionally give away money, right? Like that's, that's literally my job. Um, and so when people learn that crazy thing is everyone has a cause that they're passionate about everyone. I've, I've yet to meet a single human being that is above the age of five that does not have a cause that they're passionate about. Like for real, like I've had like kids like, Hey, can you give money to this? Like, I, I kid you not. I've given presentations and had students come up to me afterwards. Like, Oh, can you give money to this organization? Um, which makes having genuine conversations with adults pretty hard when they're trying to just get something out of you. Um, but it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so corporate initiatives manager is my current title. It is the fourth role I've held at the company in 14 years. So essentially, and for anyone listening, just to give you an idea of what Dan does, because that, that title might be meaningless to you for, for <laughs> listening. So that his roles and responsibilities and what he does has positioned him to connect with some pretty amazing leaders. And you've been, Dan, in some pretty incredible places, not only in the United States, but also around the world. So you've mm -hmm. seen leaders, you, you understand what drives people, you understand you know, why they're passionate about giving. And some of them need to be more passionate about giving. But I want you to mm -hmm. also speak to that audience too, because you've been in many, many meetings with CEOs, with executives, with business leaders that they want to have an impact, but they don't know where to start. They know that it's not just about profit, though unbelievably important. And mm -hmm. Dan and I, for any business leader listening, we want you to make as much profit as possible in the most ethical way possible, yeah. because we believe that <laughs> Um, having a heart of giving and also bringing in tons of profit is a recipe for incredible success in your local community. And we've seen time and time again, extraordinary business leaders that do 
incredible things. Uh, we need that, especially today uh, at the time of this recording, uh, in 2021. Uh, there's optimism, but there's also intense frustration regarding the COVID uh, crisis. And mm -hmm. a lot of business leaders are trying to figure out what can they do next to help their local communities. So to speak to that audience, Dan, uh, let's say that uh, someone who runs a company, let's say medium-sized company, right? So they're bringing in, mm -hmm. they're bringing in profit. They have a team of people. Uh, they they want to continue to expand their company, right? So not a massive company, but let's say a medium-sized company. Uh, they want to get involved. They have no idea where to start. Would they? Mm -hmm. How would they even go about the idea of starting a department like what you run? How can they? What, what kind of game plan would they have to come up with to start that corporate social responsibility type mindset? I mean, I guess, I guess it, there's a number of places my brain is going. Um, I think I think the first thing you need to do is identify where you want to give. Um, you know, if, you're just, if you're just starting out, I'm not, not saying you need to identify a specific organization, but I think you need to identify, right, like that, that kind of that mantra that you kind of talked about a little bit earlier, because there, there are two, two avenues where you can give, go to in giving, right? In, in my opinion, I'm, I'm probably wrong, but it's fine. Uh, I'm talking now, so it's, it's fair. Uh, my thought is you, you stay aligned to your mission or you go outside of it, right? That, that, that's it. There's, there's, two, there's two ways to go. If you are a marketing company, if you are a utility company, if you are a food service company, if you are a college professor, like it, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is you do for money, hopefully you're really good at it and well-versed in it. And you've got a network of people you're working with. So you can find a way to use those services, connections, and channels to give back. Somewhere along those lines, someone needs what you're charging for, for free, or they need mentorship or help with those skills in, in the avenue you're in. I think uh, a lot of folks, for whatever reason, they, they try to look for these big, giant, grandiose, so like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get all the trash out of the, what's it called? The Pacific garbage patch thing, right? Like, like, oh, we're going to, we're going to pick up all the trash out of the Pacific garbage patch. This is like mile wide island of garbage just floating in the ocean. And it's like, well, you've got three employees and you're located, you know, in center city, Philadelphia, you're probably not going to, you know, you're probably not going to do that. Right. But if you were, again, like a marketing company, there's a ton of organizations that could use help with, with their marketing, or there's a ton of organizations that could leverage some of your networks. Um, so that would be like staying within your specialty, right? If you're in the food service industry, I mean, good golly, there's so many opportunities to get food to people's houses and on their plates right now because of everything going on, because of the pandemic, the, you know, all the different shortages and the, the disruptions in the, in the distribution chains and whatnot. Um, so there's that. But then there's also, you know, one of the things we do at Bentley, one of our, we have, we have four uh, main giving channels, pipelines, swim lanes, whatever cutesy categories, whatever we're going to use. And one of them is, is what people are passionate about. 
right? So like, for example, if I was passionate about being a big brother, big sister, right? There, there is nothing about engineering software that technically correlates directly to mentoring a ninth grade student, right? Like we're, we're not, we're not going to go over software code. We're not, I'm not going to turn this kid into a computer scientist. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. Those two worlds would never coexist in technicality. But because at one point, the Bentley brothers found it so quintessential to the community to give back to an organization that helped prepare students for just life, they start, they themselves started mentoring and then they got more coworkers involved and it's kind of perpetuated and it is now, we've now had a, what's 11 or 12 year, it's a 12 year relationship with Big Brother Big Sisters through our company because it's something that people are passionate about and they want to do. So either find something within your current sphere of influence that you can help someone else out with. Again, whether it's time, talent, or treasure, right? Any, any of those three T's, you can, you can give those. Those all count. Um, or you just find something that you yourself are passionate about because it, it's a lot easier to give, whether it is time, talent, or treasure, when you are passionate about it. Yes, we do need to get rid of that garbage out of the ocean. No, no one would ever argue with that, right? No one's like, hey, we need more garbage in the ocean. That'd be great. No, that'd be terrible. So not saying that we shouldn't do something about that, but that might not be the cause that whatever person who's listening to this, that, that might be the cause that's on their heart. They may be more compelled to be like, hey, you know what? I really want better uh, playground facilities in my neighborhood because I think kids should have a safe place to go play, to go spend time together, to go enjoy each other and play tag and, and do goofy kid things. But right now we've got, we've got nowhere in our community to do that. We've got some empty lots. We've got just a bunch of houses. We've got, you know, we live next to a highway, like whatever, whatever it is, like go solve the problem that you're passionate about because I find that those that are passionate get the most done and feel the best about when they, when they accomplish something. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you mentioning that, especially the three T's time, talent, and treasure. I really like that. So Let's speak directly to this kind of person. So I want you to imagine there's a business leader, this individual, let's say she runs an organization of 50 people, okay? So mm -hmm. it is the CEO of a company of 50. I think a lot of business leaders can be a little disheartened when they see news stories of Starbucks giving away, you know, astronomical amounts of money. And the reason why I say that is because oftentimes we look at that and we're like, there's, we, we, we can't give away hundreds of millions of dollars. We can, and, mm -hmm. and uh, what you said about time, talent, and treasure, they're really focused on the treasure, but they want to have that mm -hmm. impact. And the two T's that you had mentioned, the first two T's time and talent is still sometimes just as important, right? Because some companies that mm -hmm. give away tons of money, they're not even involved at all in these organizations. So I'm not knocking companies that give away a lot of money. That's incredible. And we, you absolutely need to give uh, financially. But in, in essence, time and talent is also unbelievably important. So for that individual that she's running a company of 50 people, there's something mm -hmm. that 
she, you know, she wants to have an impact. She really wants to do good in the community outside of the business sense. What I'm hearing you say, Dan, and correct me if I'm wrong. Let's say that this company is a marketing company that you had mentioned marketing mm -hmm. and there's an organization that really tightly aligns with the company's core principles and what they believe is a company. Mm -hmm. You're really good when it comes to different events and exposing people to different organizations that they may never have heard of before, seeing all the good that they do. So would you recommend that individual explains to her team, here's why I'm so passionate about this organization, here's what they're doing, and empower them to maybe take off a couple days a year, uh, giving PTO paid time off to do that, to help that organization, that would be the time factor. That's also mm -hmm. a certain way, right? Because um, right. they're not giving away massive checks. They're, they're empowering their, their, their people to do that. But also the talent piece, there's, there's nonprofits that need flyers. They need marketing material. So allowing their staff, their team to do things for that nonprofit by utilizing the company's talents. Do you think that that would be a good first step to at least start the process of getting involved? Yeah, I mean, I mean, absolutely. I think you know, there's a couple of ways of figuring out what that nonprofit is, um, you know, serving your people, I think, finding out what, what people in general are, are involved with, pick, picking one organization a quarter, one organization a year, something along those something along those lines. Um, yeah, and offering things like time and, and talent. I, I think you would be, re you'd have a really hard time finding a nonprofit or a charity or a community-based organization, which aren't always, you know, nonprofits, that uh, wouldn't love to have some help in their marketing, wouldn't love to have some help in their event planning or facilitation, whether they're virtual or in-person events. You know, um, especially if those folks have, you know, if you've successfully logged into a Zoom call and managed to have someone not tell you that, hey, you're muted, you qualify leaps and bounds above the average American, the average human, right? Because I feel like, I mean, I'm guilty of it just as much as anyone else is, but I think that some people are met with technology and they just freeze up. And so if you're comfortable with social media or you're comfortable with email marketing or you're comfortable with hosting a virtual call, I think, and you went to a nonprofit like, hey, I'd love to facilitate uh, a virtual town hall for you. And I would be more than willing to, you know, this, this CEO, she's more than willing to invite a couple of her personal business contacts, you know, whether they're her clients or their contractors or their suppliers for different things and say, Hey, I'll, I'll invite three of my contacts. You all have this like informational town hall and we'll, we'll run it on our company's zoom, right? Like in-kind donations are tremendous for some of these nonprofits. Like you don't understand what, what the impact just a little bit will make. And so something like that, given, especially giving nonprofits the platform to share their message with other people they would not have been connected to in the first place, because you don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. We we have recently sponsored uh, a domestic violence centers event, um, 
past couple of years, we're connected with them through a weird set of situations. And this one woman got hired into our IT project staffing and she's been with the company a little over a year, maybe. And she found out that we were funding this event. And man, this woman got so excited and so fired up about working for Bentley because we supported this organization that she was personally already so passionate about. And she's like, man, I love working here because of you guys are giving back to the community. Like, it's not because, I mean, her boss is pretty awesome too. Um, but, but she was like, I can't believe that you're connected with this and you're doing things and you're helping people out um, in this situation that has nothing to do with technology. You know, and so she's then, she's helping me coordinate stuff and corral other colleagues, get them involved and, and sharing the message and, and whatever else. And so it's just been like this, because she was, she was already passionate about it, right? I, I had no idea. I, I didn't know her from anyone. Like I, I had no connections with this woman until she came to me because she found out that we were doing this. And she was like, oh my gosh, I was at a, a committee meeting and I heard the name of the company that I work for come up. And she's like, I can't believe it. Like what, how did this all happen? You know what I mean? And so I think that giving those things, giving those opportunities for people to make those connections and use their abilities, because again, she's in IT. Right, that's what she she's way smarter than I will ever be in terms of IT stuff. So she helped support their online event. And they were like, Hey, can you help out? And I was like, Listen, you don't want me. You like you stick with her. She's gonna do a great job. Um, and so I think that in that in that instance, right, we just we kinda I kinda got out of the way. It was like, She's passionate, let her go, her go do her, she'll go do her thing and um it'll be it'll be a great, great opportunity. So I, I do believe that giving people the opportunity to get involved in Again, whether it's what they do for their job and providing some of that talent, or even people have skills outside of their job title, right? Um, we have plenty of friends that, that you know, we were just talking to a buddy the other day where he's in insurance, but man, he can he can he can swing a hammer and turn a wrench occasionally too. And so, you know, it's it's interesting to see what what other talents and abilities people have outside of their you know job function. Yeah, I'm 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 happy that you mentioned that. And the reason for it is because sometimes we think so grandiose that it's stifling our ability to be creative and to actually give immediate help when immediate help is desperately needed, especially in this world. And here's what I mean by that. I recently spoke to a gentleman that has a small business who was absolutely crushing it prior to COVID. I mean, an incredible business. As a small company, he was bringing in 480 clients a week, okay? He has a small staff. He had about 30 people prior to COVID, and he's in an industry that was absolutely devastated by COVID. I mean, absolutely devastated. He went because his business model relied on people being there in person physically. He could not mm. be, or it was unbelievably difficult to be in the virtual space with what he did. So those 480 clients a week, they dropped to almost next to nothing. So we're talking about a very, very frustrating situation. But this individual still wanted to give back. He still felt this need to continue to help the community and a lot of times people would see this, this business crisis in a sense. It was a crisis for him and think, 
oh, you know, my, my financial resources are choked out now to the point where I can't give. But he immediately flipped to being creative and thought, you know what, I have all of these spaces right now that are open because I'm not bringing in the clients that I used to. And in the area that he's in, they've been able to have in-person events for quite some time with the proper social distancing and in mm -hmm. a, their local law. So what, what, what it ended up happening was he started reaching out to all these different organizations, telling them, hey, you can come in and use my space. Okay, you can come in and use my space. You can, uh, I'm not using it right now. And he actually set up a calendar where people can come in on a regular basis and think about all the people that need, uh, need that, right? They need event spaces. Mm -hmm. well, let me tell you, because a lot of business leaders that might be listening to this thinking that is just bad bit, like who would do that? That's bad business. Why isn't he focused on the business falling down? What ended up happening was the staff that he had were so blown away by this that they worked for a company where the individual running it still was concerned about his local community, that now they're working even harder for him to the point where now business is starting to come back. So now he's in an okay spot, but mm -hmm. he positioned himself that in the next few months, his business will be ascending again. And back to your point, Dan, oftentimes people look at dollars and they think, oh, we can't do that. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have this. He didn't even really give money or time in this instance. He found a room that was a room that they used to have larger events in thinking, I can have people come in and use this room because we're not using it right now. And coordinating, having staff run a calendar and reach out to these organizations. And they were completely flabbergasted thinking, why am I, you know, they, they, they thought it was awesome, but they're thinking, should we really be spending time doing this? But what it did was it created a culture of giving. And then what mm -hmm. ended up happening was they worked like crazy around this mission of having the community in mind. And now, like I said, profits are picking up and he's positioning himself in a really good spot right now that he will be, he will be doing well in the months ahead, right? Things are coming back. So for anyone listening, I would challenge you to be creative. You know, you may run a, a, a smaller team where you see these news reports of massive companies giving astronomical amounts of money, thinking to yourself, oh, well, I can't do that. It's the small things, it's, it's different elements that you can contribute that you may not even be thinking of right now. It's being creative and contacting an organization that you feel passionate about and figuring out a way to help them, whether it's with you or your team's time, talent, and or treasure. And I'm telling you, I mean, Dan and I have seen this time and time again, you will see positive results from it. You're not only going to change lives within this organization, but your team is going to be more endeared to your mission. There's, it's one thing to have company core values that you put on a poster in a break room. It's another thing to actually live out those values. And what better way to live out those values by showing your team why you are running your business in the first place, not only for profit, but also to have a massive impact. Yeah, it, you know what, it, it reminds me, um, of a story of an area nonprofit that they do some tremendous things and they look, they look for ways to get uh, the differently able community involved. 
in things, right? Because if I take a step back, if, if all that you're giving is centered specifically and solely around finances, then you limit your opportunities to give, but also the community's opportunity to grow because of your giving, right? And this one organization, again, they work with differently abled folks and they, they bring, they, they do all sorts of different stuff and they just do some amazing things. And there was this one young person that came in uh, who I want to say they were like late teen, early 20. I don't, I don't remember. I apologize specifically, but they, they spent their entire life in a wheelchair. And because of situations that were, that they had no impact on that, I'm not sure if they were born this way or if an accident happened. Um, again, I apologize for that kind of loose details, but this person really had very little use of anything in their body short of their eyes. And so they were able to control their wheelchair with their hand to an extent, but basically this human being just sat in a chair all day, every day, and just watched life happen for other people. And when the, the parent or guardian of this person reached out to this nonprofit, they were like, listen, we'll, we'll find something for them to do. And the parents like, there's no, like, my child has never had any purpose in their life ever. And so they bring, so the, the parent brings the, the child to the, to the workspace where they're doing some things. And they were using used shopping grocery bags, right? Like the plastic bag you have in the grocery store. They were using those bags and they have this like loom thing where they knit the bags together and they make mats, like bed mat, like ground mats that they give to homeless people. So there are differently abled folks working with other, like, you know, a company volunteers, some, some folks come out. And so they get, they get a group of people together. They knit together these bags that basically would have wound up in the trash together to make mats for homeless people. Like it, it's got all the great feelings in it. Right. And so like already I'm crying about it. And the executive director, this woman, she's, she's telling me the story about how they brought this, this, this person in the, in the wheelchair and they're looking around like, man, what? Like, I, I told him we would do something. And so they assigned this person to pick out the colors of the bags, right? Cause each grocery store has a different colored bag. Right. And so the person in the wheelchair would like, they put the bags in multiple piles in front of them. And the person in the wheelchair would look at the pile of bags that they that they thought would make the most sense in the pattern that they were creating. And it was literally the first time ever. Seriously, I'm tearing up right now. Um, first time ever that that person had ever felt like they contributed to something. All because the executive director of this nonprofit, she said, listen, we'll find a way to have you help because we're doing more than just giving money and we're doing more than just accepting checks, right? Like it, it works on, works on both sides, right? If you, if you call up a nonprofit and they're like, no, 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 we only need money. That's the only thing we need is money. I would personally be leery of that nonprofit. If they, <laughs> they're not looking for volunteers. Sure. They're not looking for advice. <laughs> they're not looking for board members. They're, they're not looking for free services. If they're like, yeah, yeah, just, just send us checks. Like, be very leery of that organization personally um you know and because like because the executive director decided that we will always have a place for everyone at the table to do something they gave this human being the opportunity to feel like a human being 
and to be a contributing member of society because that map that they were making was going to go be delivered into the city that night to be a bed for, for someone living on the street. That's an incredible story. And it really goes back to that creative piece because instead of, you know, throwing up hands saying, Nope, like, you know, we can't do anything here. It's figuring out mm-hmm. a way to make that situation work and, and look at, look at the payoff, right? It's, it's amazing what happens when we go from a critical mindset to a creative mindset. So Dan, thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that. I appreciate everything you mentioned. I don't wanna take up a ton of your time today. I appreciate everything you've given so far. Uh, I just wanna end with those three T's because I think they're so important. So my challenge to people listening today is today write down on a piece of paper, time, talent, and treasure and then think about your business, where it is, where you are, and come up with a creative way that you can tie one, if not all, but at least one of those T's into your company core principles through getting involved in the community. And like Dan and I had mentioned, it, you will experience incredible results by doing that. It will not only help the community, but it will help your business in big, big ways. So thanks again, Dan. I appreciate your time today. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. You have a wonderful day too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Stories with Traction podcast. If you have a story that you would like to share, feel free to drop an email to matt at mattzon.com with the subject line, Stories with Traction. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where I share tons of resources on how you can be a better storyteller. Remember, if you want to persuade with power and inspire those around you to action, you must share more stories.